the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. This is your NBA Finals Game 3 preview for the Game 3 between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Here to break down Game 2, the series in general, give series bets and best bets, and all that is Brandon Anderson, who, if you check this out on YouTube, is in front of a beautiful North Dakota State bison blanket as he is visiting his family in North Dakota. Uh, Brandon, I dare say this may be the first podcast in NBA in history done um, from somebody with as much, with this degree of North Dakota extemporanea behind you as you have right now. There, there is. There's a lot of North Dakota here. By the way, it's bison. We say it with the Z here in the home state. Um, uh, game three between the Boston Celtics and Golden State Warriors. The Celtics at home are now favored, obviously, in this matchup. They are minus three and a half. The total is down to 212 and a half after opening at 215 and a half. Woo, that is a sharp decline from the open on the total. Uh, Right now, 51% of the tickets are on Golden State. 70% of the money in our early system is on Boston. Very telling there. The money line, 73% of the tickets are on Golden State. 74% of the money is on Golden State. And very early, 54% of the money or the tickets are on the under. And 78% of the money is on the under. Hence, the full three-point move down to 212 and a half. We'll break down everything. What's your best bet for game three? And we'll talk about it. I like the Celtics. I'm going to take the Celtics at home to win and cover. Just the Celtics minus three and a half. We'll talk series and some of those other angles, but my best bet here is just the straight up take Boston coming home to get the winning cover. All right. So I'm with you. Like, let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. Both we are in sync here. Our best bet. I already bet. What number did you get at last night after game two? Yeah, I took the three. I saw you got the three as well. Yeah, I got a three. There was a three very briefly in the market and I pounced on it. Um, yeah. This will be one of my larger bets of the NBA season. Not as big as Heat Game 5, or what was it, Heat Game, whichever one they won. Maybe was, I forget which one. I bet the Heat in the very big game they won. Regardless, this is going to be one of my bigger bets of the NBA playoffs. Uh, I love the Celtics here. I think a lot of what they can do, there were genuine adjustments made by Golden State. So let's kind of recap this because you weren't on our, our Game 1 recap show. So... You and I have kind of been going back and forth on texts. You've been very impressed with Boston. I would say, quite honestly, after the first two games, you and I are, we're at, we have the same destination. We just don't have the same path of getting there. Cause you think that, like, we'll start this right away. Uh, Why have you been so impressed with Boston through the first two games, 1 1? Yeah. And I'll say this since we texted during the game, since I've rewatched and done a little more work. I think I'm a little closer to your path. I'm a little less strong on Boston. I still like them, but I think the 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 conversations and a little more work has pulled me a little back from from the Boston fray of things. I, early in game two, it felt to me at halftime, it felt like Boston just, they they looked and felt like the better team. It felt like they were getting more easy offense. They're getting into their stuff a bit easier. They're getting better looks and it felt like they're getting to them more easily. Golden State, you know, we, we got both games and we had this kind of weird, both games seem similar, except we had close till halftime, 
big Warriors third quarter run. And then one game ended with a big comeback. One game ended with, no, let's just call it the dogs. We'll try again next game. And of course, the third quarter run was a little bigger. So that played into that. But until halftime, it really felt like Boston just was getting into things better. In Golden State, it seemed like just it was so hard. Everything seemed like they really had to work so hard to get to it. And these runs that have happened, I don't think we make too much of the huge Golden State end of the third quarter run. The whole third quarter is that matters, but that like 26 to two run is about as much of an outlier as the Boston fourth quarter run of, you know, oh, they hit nine three suddenly and everything happened. Like both of these teams are so good when it goes well that the avalanche can come. And we've seen that all play off long that when, well, it's partly that they're so good, but also that they can be so bad. And Boston got the big barrage of turnovers and Golden State's good enough to punish them for that. And in game one, it was kind of the opposite. But on the basis of the series so far, a lot of what I've seen is kind of what I felt coming into the series, which I just, it feels like Boston has some answers defensively, though a little less, I think, than I thought until I did a little more work overnight. And that Boston's floor offensively feels a little higher. A lot of my cap going forward is that I think the turnover battle and the free throw battle are going to swing a lot from Golden State to Boston with the home court switch. If that's not true in game three, then I'm going to have to reevaluate a little bit. But I do expect that to be a big swing factor. It's interesting when we talk about ceilings and floors. Do you think Boston has a higher ceiling? Is that your? No, I think Boston has a higher higher and more stable floor. I think Golden State has the higher ceiling. Yes, we are in agreement on that. Um, This this is where the Celtics want to win. Honestly, it's like an interesting way of thinking about it, right? And like this is how I've kind of evolved from the last couple of years is I'm very focused right now on you're only going to get to your ceiling like a couple of times in a series. You may not even get it for a game. You may get it for a quarter or a half. Like, I wouldn't even, I don't necessarily think that Boston, here's what I think, why I'm so high on Boston. I don't think Boston has played great yet. I think they've shown flashes and they have such a better level that they can execute to. They just hit shots in game one and that was enough to get them to win. The counter argument is like, okay, but we haven't seen them do it yet. So like if they don't play better, if they just don't hit the shots that they did in game one, this is 2-0 Warriors and everyone's looking at the series completely differently. I think that's fair. So a lot of this for me always in how I analyze the NBA is I'm always, I am the reason that I I think I'm a good fit for the job is the market is reflection sometimes at the conversation, not always. And the conversation I think is often flawed. So the conversation is often these big takeaways. And so when Boston wins game one and they come out and they have a lead in, in the first quarter of game two, like we were texting and it was like, I was like joking about like, well, I guess we'll just have to start asking if the Celtics are going to repeat. Um, and a lot of this is, is about the idea of how things will get messy and these kind of random performances. And where do you win in that Boston wins in that mess, that fuzz, that fog, they win those games a lot because honestly, that's the majority of any playoff series. You have a couple of quarters where one team will play great. A couple of quarters where one team will play terrible. They might play great at the, at the same time. And that's where we get really awesome games. And these are all determinative. But what I do kind of come away with is Boston does have, I still feel way more outs to win this series. Like that to me is really the, the kind of outcome that I come to, even after the game two performance by Golden State, which is very good. If we talk about shot quality, I want to try and get away from the fourth quarters, right? The fourth quarter of game two was a blowout. The third quarter, 
of game one was a blowout in of, of itself, just in terms of how, how much the Celtics ran away with it. So I just looked at shot quality for the first three quarters of both games. And here's kind of what it, what the, the shot quality says. The, the Warriors had the best shot quality so far in the first three quarters of game two. No surprise there. They got really good looks. Uh, they had the Celtics had breakdowns. There was a lot of things that messed with Golden's or with Miss Boston that we'll talk about. Um, the Celtics had actually better shot quality in game one. I was a little surprised by that, given the shooting performance. A lot of it is that they didn't actually shoot all that awesome. They just shot really well. Um, and they shot above expectation, but not like crazy in game one. And then in game two, the Celtics had a very poor shot quality and shot even worse. And in uh, game one, the Warriors had honestly really bad shot quality and shot really well. Like that was one of the things that was surprising to me is if you look at game one, one of the takeaways, honestly, is Golden State's process was very poor and they just they shot better than expected. And then in game two, the Warriors had really good shot quality and they didn't actually shoot that great. So think about that. The game where the, where the Warriors lost, they had good process and bad results. The game they won, they had good process. I'm sorry. The game where they won, they had good process and bad results. The game they lost, they had bad process and good results, but they still lost. I thought that was very interesting mm-hmm. um, to kind of break down. So Real quickly, I want to talk about the total, and then we'll kind of circle back to the matchup stuff. When I'm in this situation, somebody mentioned this. Um, Nick Ashby mentioned this on You Better You Bet the other day about how part of being in working in the gambling space and being a better is understanding when to. He said the words "cross off a bet," and I that honestly like clicked something in me where it helped me with figuring out things I don't want to bet. So I I had talked about the total. Raheem was on the over. Uh, we talked about the overs. I had said, I like the pace of the series, but then I like, I looked at the data and it was like, man, that, that game one was actually pretty slow. And then I saw that the data was saying that basically there was a big push towards the under in terms of the sharp bets coming in. And it was like, I couldn't just abandon my priors and I couldn't necessarily just follow these, these things. So it really just got me to, okay, if I like, like, I look at this number of two twelve and a half. And I think about what happens if Boston fixes a lot of the offensive stuff, which we'll talk about. What does that result in? It results in more threes. What's Golden State's like better, probably performance. It's probably going to be like they are able to shoot around like somewhere in between the two, the bad process, good results, right? Pretty good process, pretty good results. That leads me to an over. But we have a three point bump the other direction. A three point bump. I don't have to bet this. Like, I don't love the over just because I think about it and I go, you know, I, th- I really think this might be an over. It doesn't mean I have to bet it. And if I'm, if it turns out that the over cash is easy, right. I I'm not going to look at that and go like, wow, I really missed out. My one overplay or a total play on game two was actually on heat check. I gave out Celtics under one Oh four and a half because I found that the regression after hitting 19 or 20 or more threes, which they hit in game one, the team total under is 24, 11 and two now 25, 11 and two. So when you see a team have a big shooting outlier game, I'm looking to play those kind of trends. We don't have any of those after game two. So for me, I just think that the total is a stay away. What do you think? Yeah. And I agree that it's a stay away. And I think that we agree on staying away because I actually lean under here. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, 
Austin, our, Austin is our guy on totals at Action Network. And so when he has a strong play that he feels good about, like I don't do a lot of totals, but if Austin's strong on something, then I'm usually like, okay, maybe I should just go ahead and tail this one. And Austin really liked the under in game two. That under was dropping too. It was dropping right before tip. The last hour or two, it went down a point or two because I think a lot of money came in on it. And the first quarter, I think it was something like 31 to 30. You know, Jalen Brown came out and hit like 10 points right off the bat in the first quarter. Very similar more so to the first game. And I remember even you tweeted out like, well, so much for the under that yeah, a lot and of us then, played. And, and, then, and, then, and then everything went cold. And I, I actually, I'm a little bummed that early in the second quarter, there was, I forget what it was. Maybe that was when the Draymond Jalen Brown incident happened with the, the technical or non-technical or maybe that was the the Jordan Poole non-technical. There was a stoppage. And I was like trying to find on an app, how can I bet a live under? Give me a live underline because it felt like, no, 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 I want the under. I, I disagree with your tweet. There, this shot making is not going to keep up. Where's the under? And it didn't happen. The game kept going. I forgot about it. And I, I'm sure it would have been a, a nice hit on that one. Like, look, the thing we know about the Warriors and the thing that you and I both were betting on with them is that, the Warriors offense tends to slow down as the series goes on and you have to give the defense, especially one this good, like Boston credit for finding some answers and, and you gave them better credit than I did. Golden state's defense has been finding some answers for Boston's attack as well. Finding a lot of answers. Boston was 15 of 37 on threes. Boston. What did they shoot on two pointers? It was really rough. It was like under 35%. Yeah. 15 of 43 on twos. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were four of 18 on twos. So that's surprising to me. I, I wouldn't be surprised by Denver or Dallas doing that against this Golden State team, but I would expect better from Boston. They just, the process, especially as we got into the second half, Boston's process got really bad. Tatum, there was a lot of Jason Tatum assist talk from game one. He had 13, he had 19 potential assists. He had three assists. Do you know how many potential assists he had in game two after 19 in game one? How? Four. Wow. Four potential assists. He went from 19 to four. And to me, that checks out. Like, that's what I saw is we know, like, we got 2021 Boston offense, in, especially in the latter half of the game last night. We got, uh, I don't know, you do a thing. Okay, it's my turn. I'll do a thing. Rather than in game one, all those Tatum assists, and it was partly how they're defending him, but it was drive a little bit, kick to the open shooter, and hitting the shots. There wasn't that penetrate and kick thing happening. So I lean under because I feel like as the series goes, I like both defenses more and more and things just to tighten up. But especially the fact that I lean under, you lean over, we're both leaning stay away. I think it's probably a good confirmation that, especially with the total moving, that maybe this is just not a spot to grab. Yeah, I also like I, this, and this is honestly probably a flaw of mine that when I see a total like this, and I go, "Ah, oh, that number's really low. Maybe the over." And it's like, no, it's like <laughs> it's low for a reason, Matt. That's why it's low. Let's talk about Boston's offense because I think it's an interesting yeah. discussion point here. Um, one of the reasons I, that I like Boston so much in Game Three, they shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again in Game Two. Um, you mentioned the the two pointers. Seth Part now had the stat on self created twos. So not like assisted, not like a direct pass underneath six of 31. Yeah. That is rough. And when you go back, you don't, I'll say this. There are a 
fair amount of like, wow, they just smoked the bunny, right? They just missed like good layups. However, their spacing, the Boston Celtics spacing was fucked in game two. And it was really surprising. Uh, There's a play that I'm going to really break down in detail for video for action. They have, so Draymond Green started guarding Jalen Brown. That was one of the the key adjustments that um, Golden State made was let's have Draymond guard Jalen Brown and slow down Jalen Brown. He wrapped him up by a possession, cut off a lot of that lifeline, helped a lot of things. It also allowed Draymond to help, but like the Celtics then did weird stuff. There were possessions where Jalen Brown's in the dunker spot. Okay, if Draymond Green is guarding you and you're in the dunker spot, which if you don't know, that's like left or right of the basket, like underneath the basket, right? You dip, you duck in and you get you catch it for a dunk. If Draymond Green is guarding you in the dunker spot and you drive and he's taller than you, you are now inviting one of the best defensive players in NBA history to help on the drive. Why would you do this? Uh it's the same kind of problem, honestly, that the Warriors had in game one with Andre Iguodala, who did not play. Is Iguodala, like, there was possessions where Iguodala would run, pick, and roll, and then hang out in the dunker spot. So then his help, his defender on the switch, Robert Williams, is there, able to help over. The whole thing in this series is about getting help defenders out from under the rim. Because once you get to that point, you have opportunities to really shake. Now, this leans towards Boston because Boston has better perimeter containment, right? Like Boston's guys can actually stop Jordan Poole on the perimeter and force him into pull-up twos, which he did get to, but those are still lower lower, you know, probability shots. Golden State can't do that. Boston can get to the can get by initial defense pretty much whenever they want. And they did that in, in the first quarter. But then from the second quarter on, the Celtics just basically kept trying to like pack the paint with their own offensive players. And like when I went back and watched this late at night last night, while having hunt for red October in the background, fantastic movie, by the way, with the young Alec Baldwin. Um, I was like yelling at the screen, like clear out. Like, what are you doing? Get out of there. Because if you go five, and again, this is another reason I just checked and we don't have props. I don't have a Robert Williams prop up yet. Yeah. I want Robert Williams unders in game in game three. Like I, this is one that I, there's always a concern of like, how do you, because one of the adjustments that I, I factored on in game two was, Ooh, Otto Porter's got to play a ton. He's been great. He's going to play a ton. And Steve Kerr went, fuck you, Matt. I'm playing Nemanja Bielitsa. How about that? And it's going to work. Even though like Otto Porter, I think is, has like a massive plus minus in the series. Yep. Yeah, Otto, like, Otto was plus 24 in 15 minutes, by the way, because I was yeah. with you on Otto sh- sinking ship and Kerr was like, plus 24 and 15. Oh, that's nice. Here, have some more Bielitsa. Yeah, have some more Bielitsa. I had a significant bet on Otto Porter over one and a half threes at plus 140 and thought I was I was like, if nothing else hits, this one will hit. He's making two threes. And then, and I was, I, last night was painful. I had over, uh, Steph, 10 and a half rebounds and assists. He hits 10 and because it's a blowout, he doesn't play again. I had over 22 and a half, uh, rebounds and points for Andrew Wiggins. He gets the 17 and he sits the fourth quarter. Like Boston's offense was so bad. They didn't have to put starters back in. And that cost me like a big chunk on top of, 
I, I will say this. I stupidly, uh, this was a bad bet by me. I live bet Celtics plus 180 in this at halftime. Halftime, yeah. And then I bet Celtics plus 17 and a half uh, mid, like late third, because I was like, ooh, they've won all the fourth quarters. I was looking at it, it was 23 when I bet it. And I was like, I think they can pull six, six points off this lead. And they just like the Celtics basically got to there and was like, all right, it's garbage time. Like they just ran out of time. We had, I was like almost within range for a minute and then it just didn't work out. I don't feel as bad about that one, but live betting Celtics was, that was an emotional bet for me. Just being like, like no matter what, like the Celtics are just going to find a way, yeah. you know, I blame you Let's, for, for podcasting. Well, we, we, yeah. We, we talked about it at halftime. Like you, you texted me uh, Boston plus plus one eighty. And I was like, ah, cause I was thinking, okay, Warriors home third quarter. The brand is the brand. Like I'm getting like 10 messages at halftime of home games. Like Warriors third quarter, are we doing it? And again, people, Warriors home third quarter. So don't come asking for this next, it, it's still good, but it's not as strong. Home third quarter is where you want it. And it just, it felt like a spot where, okay, this is the dynasty. Like the, this is, you can't go down 0-2. You have to make the third quarter push. And if there's some third quarter push, I didn't want the Celtics live line. To be fair, I wanted the Celtics live line. I wanted it later. I wanted the Warriors to make their push and then come back on Boston. And the Warriors made their push. And then the Warriors made their other push. And Jordan Poole hit like two shots from half court before the end of the third quarter. And suddenly it was like, oh, yeah, there's this is not a spot to come back on Boston. This is done now. So, yeah, you, you can blame me for that. I think I'm at fault there. You mentioned Boston offense. So Boston's fourth quarter game one, they had 40 points. If you take that quarter away, and I know you, you can't just take stuff away. It all counts. Seven other quarters, Boston is averaging 96 points a game Whew. outside of that one quarter. Tatum and Brown are both below 48% true shooting. They're both below 44 effective field goal percentage. Really, the offense that has been there, it's the others. And it's the others from mostly that fourth quarter. It's Horford hit the shots. Derek White has had two great offensive games. I'm not sure you want to count on that. Continue to be there. Um, we'll come back to it on props. I think Marcus Smart's going to have a big game three. We saw Draymond come out and set the tone immediately in game two. as kind of like, okay, we got to, I'm the heart of this team. He got the immediate jump ball off of the tip, uh, you know, tied up Al Horford. I don't want to see that sort of game from Marcus Smart. I think we'll see a lot more aggressive from, uh, from him. Horford. You know, has these games where he scores 25 and then games where he scores two or three points. We we need the others to score a little bit more. That's when Boston's offense looks good. So I, I think that's the good sign if you like Boston here, because you go home, the others show up at home. Marcus Smart's the guy that's going to play off the crowd. You know, Grant Williams is going to have a more better chance to hit some home threes. And frankly, and Derek White should too. But if if Derek White gets better than he was the first two games, Golden State's going to be in trouble at home uh, in Boston here. I mean, if, if Derek White gets better than he was in the first two games, uh, then he's, he is now the greatest shooter of all time, and Steph Curry can take it back. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then we should be betting him for finals MVP. <laughs> I'll say this. Again, I'll do, I'm doing a video breakdown. I think of this, and there'll be a, an article in action. Uh, the Warriors did a much better job of... So sometimes these decisions are not tactical, right? It's not... We're going to put yeah. X on Y and we're going to do this with the pick and roll, which is what I talk about the most. Sometimes it's things like, hey, when you're closing out, you should close out with a hand up to actually make them not want to shoot as opposed to just looking them in the face and watching them shoot over you like in game one. 
Um, and they did a really good job of that, especially on White and Horford. They were very good in their and smart actually was the other one they were they were on. I will say this on the Horford thing. They did not, I was looking for it. There weren't that many possessions where Horford was spaced to three that he got like a that they had to close out on him, or even that they were like staying close to him. Again, like a lot of this for me, and one of the reasons I like Boston so much in game three is like you could just look at that and be like, hey, maybe we should space the floor better. <laughs> like we should do the things that worked in game yeah. one versus like whatever yeah. the this is. Um, yeah, it really what's seemed, the, what's the old the old Seth Hartnow adjustment play better play better let's, yeah let's do the play better. <laughs> it, it feels very much like honestly part of it it does feel to me a little bit like in game two that Udoka wanted to be like we have to punish them on the offensive glass mm-hmm. because we want them not to go big. I think they actually wanted them to be like we have we want them to try and go small versus us to keep pace. And that really didn't work. Like it just did not work. And I'll also say this, like, I think there was not the idea that like with Bielitsa in, maybe we can do this and like just credit Bielitsa who played great. Like Bielitsa came in and really gave them good minutes. But like a lot of the time on Boston's possessions, I saw them trying to crash the offensive glass. And again, like Udoka has been amazing in these playoffs. He's been great. This was a game where I, I really think Udoka just like overthought a bunch of stuff and the, either the game plan was bad or the execution thereof was bad because yeah. their entire strategy was bad. Like Golden State did things like, all right, we're going to close out with a hand up and really kind of deter the threes, especially on white. Like they did, they did a bunch of things. Um, and that, and making white try and drive to the rim was really smart. Like, Hey, allow anything but the threes and you're good. Um, let's talk while we're here. Um, well, no, let's hit props first. Let's go ahead and hit props. Well, I want to add to the the Adoka thing. I, I thought it was a double whammy. I was surprised. You kind of said some of these things too. I was surprised how much Kerr changed from game one to game two. Yeah. Neither one of us, I don't think, expected Beelitz to have a big role. We both thought Otto would play a lot more. The other adjustment we haven't really said much on was the one that Kerr's hand was basically forced on. Basically, replacing Andre Iguodala with Gary Payton, which was a massive swing in Golden State's favor. We'll see if Iguodala's back. Kerr likes to play as a veteran. So Iggy was not good in game two. Gary Payton was fantastic. Fantastic. His defense was so good. You could just tell the energy with him and Draymond out there. The energy was just different on, on defense. So that was the first half. Kerr made the adjustments. And that was like, okay, Udoka didn't have them ready as well for that. But then I think at halftime, you got to expect, okay, they're playing us differently. They have different personnel out there. Now, what do we do? I don't really see Boston respond at halftime either. That's the place where Kerr does so well. Duh, that's the third quarter thing. And I, I felt like Udoka didn't show up before the game or at halftime in that way. Like, we, we need to see a lot more adjusting from them. But we've well, got these two days off now. So Well, I also, I also wonder how much of that. I know this sounds crazy. That you're like, no, coaches, like the teams will do everything to win every game. It's not true. I'm telling you, I've covered these finals. Like I am telling you, having been there and had conversations off the record, there is a very palpable, you know, I got the one. We got the one here. You want to save stuff. Like talking to coaches that are no longer involved in the game, you get into these kind of discussions too, where they're like, yeah, what you'll do is you make a lot of adjustments. You try and. Sometimes you'll, if you think you have a chance, if you think it gives you a real edge, you'll adjust before the series, then they adjust, come back, but you save your counter adjustments until after you see what they do. And so now you've seen what Golden State does and you get the chance now at home to to make the key adjustments, whether it's 
we're going to go big more. We're going to go small more, which I think is what they have to do. I think, again, I keep coming back to, I don't think like there's been a lot of talk about Rob Williams and all these, like the blocks that he makes, you got to get past that and into the nitty gritty details. Robert Williams, I really think is a liability for them. I, I I continue to believe that. And I think that they're going to have to go smaller. We talked about this before the series that there are more guys on Boston. I think that you want that the warriors will excise from the rotation, right? Like golden state's a good example of this where they're like, Fuck it. We're throwing out Bielitsa. Like, Gary Payton, you know, uh, Iguodala's out. We're throwing out these guys. They have more guys that they can go to. And I'm not sure the Boston has a great capacity to play certain guys for Golden State off of, which gives Golden State an edge. It's just that once you pare down Boston to the essential seven to eight guys, they're rock solid. I just don't happen to think that, that Robert Williams is one of those in-game Three. Yeah. Well, and I don't I don't think Williams looks healthy either. That has to just be part of it right now. He's just not moving that well out there. So I almost wonder we're coming up on. So game three, Wednesday, game four, Friday. It's the only time in the entire finals that we don't have multiple days between games. I wonder, especially with Time Lord not looking healthy to me, I think he plays one of the two games. So mm. I'm keeping an eye on that to see does he sit one of those out with a shorter rest in between. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, just choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball or rebounds or stocks, whatever it is that you're into. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddies' contest and play together. I have some real squares in my life that I'm looking forward taking some money off of it's got a built-in group chat where i can see and copy my friends picks with the tap of a button it's insanely fun to ride out together stop what you're doing and download sleeper now to play their new over under game have fun with your friends and make some money on your mobile phone join our listener group on sleeper at sleeper.com slash buckets and sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to 100 dollars Again, go to sleeper.com slash buckets and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleepers terms of use for details. Uh, let's do props. I know that we're early. I know that the, the game just happened last night as we're recording this on Monday, but I do kind of want to get a sense from you of where you're leaning on props for game three. Yeah, so we talked about Jason Tatum assess. To me, if you like Boston here, you should like Jason Tatum assess. There's a lot of Tatum assist overplay in game two. The the splits are hugely different in wins versus losses. For the playoffs so far, Tatum is averaging 7.1 assists in wins. Yeah. He's only 4.3 assists in losses. And it's that's not just random. Like when the Celtics play well, it's because the ball is moving around well, because the other guys are hitting the shots. The other guys didn't hit the shots in game two. The other guys didn't even take the shots in game two. Horford didn't attempt a three after making six in game one. Smart, I think, only had a couple of those. So if you expect Boston to win and play better offensively, then Tatum having assists will be part of that. So over five and a half assists, I like that one. I'd rather if it was over four and a half, if you can see that somewhere, he's over four and a half and 12 out of 13 wins. If you can find like an alternate line, but five and a half is plus money. So I, I like that one. 
despite the big swing from game two. Turnover lines, I'm looking at Draymond Green over two and a half turnovers. I'm curious what you think on this one. So there's been a lot of talk about, well, part of Golden State hasn't turned it over as much in part because Draymond hasn't had to handle as much. It feels to me like that may be starting to swing going forward because Steph is is doing Steph things. And I think at some point you have to kind of try to get the ball out of his hands. Get the ball out of Steph's hands means to get the ball into Draymond's hands. So I actually think Draymond assists and turnovers, maybe both are good overplays if he starts to get a little more handling. You don't why, like that one. Why do you say that Steph's doing Steph things? I mean, he's scoring really well. He's getting, he's had, he's hit 12 threes so far. If you look at, I actually think Boston's defense probably feels pretty good so far. Clay has been really bad. Jordan Poole has not done anything outside of that one, like five minute stretch, really. I think Golden State's offense hasn't done a whole lot except for Steph. Everything good the Warriors have done has either been Steph scoring or Steph generated. And they did a lot of, you know, you've talked a lot about, they just don't run that many pick and rolls. And suddenly that big burst in the third quarter was spamming the pick and roll with mm-hmm. Poole and with Steph. It feels like if I'm Boston, I have to assume some sort of adjustment comes there to say, okay, you know what? Let's see what Wiggins and Clay and these other guys can do. Let's try to get it out of Steph's hands a little more than we've been doing. So I think a lot of this is, again, just gets back to, I'm sorry, but it just gets back to Robert Williams. <laughs> like if yeah. you, you know, and, you ties. Get, <laughs> and ties, like get, get those guys out of the rotation. And I think this, and switch it. And they probably looks a little different. Grant Williams, I think is a very, it's a, he's a pressure point. I think in this, because honestly he's been yeah. bad on switches, but in that one particular, I'll have to go back and watch and see how many of golden States pick and rolls were guard guard versus guard forward um, to get a sense for what those switches are going to look like. You know, look, I mean, um, I will say this. Okay. So the, the EFG was, fine it's 54.5 which is good ish but steph had 29 points on 21 shots yeah right you're gonna take that if you're boston you're fine yeah it's like because part of it you look at it and you go like well he had 29 points it's, okay someone's gonna have the raw production like if, if you really kind of get into this and you look at it and you go okay um let's look at first half right let's look at just just first half because like the guy hit with the with the haymaker in the third quarter yeah the Warriors had a 102 offensive rating in that first half, right? So while you said like Boston's offense has struggled throughout the course of the first two games, you're right. So honestly has Golden States. It's really like they've had the two third quarter runs. If Boston can figure out what the fuck to do with their third quarters, <laughs> like that's one of the reasons this is Just a bad not matchup. not play in Golden State anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't play in Golden State anymore and you'll be better. <laughs> um, and so, because I, I actually noted that the, the, the Celtics have been great in the second and fourth quarters. That's where they've been awesome in the playoffs. They've won a ton of those. I bet second quarter last night in that cash. I'll be on it again. I just think second and fourth quarters are where Boston in the playoffs, ironically, given their clutch struggles, has been really good. Um, so I'm going to be looking for Robert Williams unders. Yeah. I'm going to be looking for, I'm probably going to play Horford overs, which let's go ahead. And, um, well, before we get into that, uh, the other thing I, I like you, I'm with you on the smart thing. I kind of like waffle back and forth on it. And I was like, no, if smart's going to have a game, it's going to be game three. Like yeah. that seems likely. So I'll probably play points and assists over is yeah, and so try and get myself some. I, I had smart over 13 and a half points. He's over that in five of the last seven and 11 out of 17 playoff games. So I, I think you just get more aggression and look game one. I think he had four, three point attempts in the first four minutes and he just wasn't, he wasn't himself. He wasn't as aggressive in game two. 
think we'll get more aggression. So I, I think points and assists plays well too. Wiggins is down a point on points and rebounds at 21 and a half. I'm going back to it. He would have hit that if he played in the fourth quarter last night. Like yeah. this is, uh, and, and if we think that they're going to throw more coverage at stuff again, Wiggins is the, no, I just keep coming back to this. No matter what Andrew Wiggins benefits from whatever defensive adjustment the, the Boston makes. Yeah. Like, well, because that's my, he's that's not the adjustment. They're not adjusting to Andrew Wiggins. Right. They're right. adjusting to something else. Uh, another prop. You're going to love this one. I know Jalen Brown over two and a half turnovers. My guy can't dribble. (laughs) He's had at least two turnovers, 17 out of 20 playoff games. So he's right there. He's over in five of the last seven. He had four turnovers or more in four straight until game two when he went under by half. He's 3.7 turnovers a game during that stretch. And like you said, the big adjustment, and we'll see if it sticks with it, but the big adjustment in game two was Draymond on Jalen Brown a lot of the game. That's not good. That's not great for Jalen Brown. So I like that one also. All right, uh, let's talk finals MVP, and then we'll wrap up the series bets. Uh, so I would assume that you are still in your same place, where if you want to bet the Warriors, you want to bet Steph. If you want to bet the Celtics, you want to bet Tatum. Tatum right now, 145-plus at uh, FanDuel I'm looking at right now. There's a there's a plus 100 floating out there somewhere that Simon Hunter grabbed last night for Steph. Uh, I've seen him mostly as a minus, minus 115, minus 105. Uh, I think if you assume that Golden that Boston's going to win one of the final two games or one of the next two games, especially if you think they're going to win Game Three, you just need to wait on Steph. If you want to bet that, just wait until after Game Three, and then bet Steph Curry. Then, am I right that you think that it's those two guys still? I definitely think it's Steph or or nobody on the Warriors still, and he's kind of shown that so far. I don't know if I still feel as strong on Tatum. I, put it this way. I don't feel as strongly on Tatum. It's just that I don't feel like I have a great alternative answer on Boston. I bet smart before the series. I thought he was pretty good in game one, but so were a lot of Boston Celtics. He did. He was terrible in game two. You had Horford. Horford looked awesome after game one and then didn't show in game two. Jalen Brown, you bet going into game two. And then I was just, I was buckling up, getting ready for the like five times around victory lap when Jalen Brown came out and scored like 38 points in the first two seconds of the game. I was like, oh boy, here we come. Here's the Jalen Brown finals MVP push. And then he just kind of disappeared after that too. So it it still feels like, okay, Tatum got a scoring going. I think Tatum is going to have a big scoring game. I thought about Tatum points over. I don't normally play just like a superstar points over in a game because the lines are just so high. It's tough to, to get there on an over. But I think Tatum is going to get to the line a lot more in game three uh, and at home. And I, I do still lean toward Tatum. Just the finals MVP, it's not fun discussion, but it's it's the top scorer on the winning team. That's how it usually goes. And that's going to be Tatum. So I lean Tatum. I don't feel like there's a lot of value on it right now. So I bet t- I added to my Tatum position. I had some from early in the finals or early in the playoffs. I grabbed Tatum at a huge plus number because I thought the Celtics were going to make the finals. So I grabbed Tatum. Um, I bet I add on him last night at plus 135. Uh, I got Brown at plus 650. Okay. For basically like 0. 0.6, 0. 0.6 units. Um, look, I'm just going to tell you, I don't think Horford's dead. I'm sorry. No, I don't think so. I, I don't think, I don't think Horford's dead. One thing I'm going to be looking at over the next couple of days is and like a lot of this is going to be messy because again it's like it's historically i've just stopped i i am i am more of the mindset of it's more about who's the engine 
which is one of the, like, I have to have some sort of logic for why Steph Curry has been to five finals and hasn't won finals MVP. Like he's lost two of them. Sure. But Steph Curry has never won a finals MVP and no one disagrees with the notion that Steph Curry is the Warriors best player. Like I continue to be like, there's something there. Um, and so what I think is, I think Tatum is the engine, right? But we do have kind of like everything Tatum gets is tough. Just like everything he gets is tough. Yeah. And I'm just not sure how sustainable that is given his inconsistency. And that does make me worry about the Boston pick. Like that makes me worried about Boston, yeah. right? I want to look at the difference, the splits of wins and losses for finals MVP and what those guys look like. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to get one of the problems I'm going to have to do is I'm just going to have to get past the LeBron era. Yeah. A lot of this is just like, you know, like LeBron's good in every single game. LeBron's awesome in every single game. LeBron's amazing when they win. LeBron's amazing when they lose. Like you just can't deny it. So you kind of have to get back in like the two thousands to kind of, I think, look at what those looked like. But then I wonder like how much the voting into the two thousands have to do now because the voting is different now. Um, I still think Horford is live. I think if I think it's going to be one, I, I can see a narrative where if Tatum continues to struggle, because I think he struggled, like he had some tough shots in game one. If Tatum continues to struggle and Horford has two more big games in two of, in three of their four wins. Yeah. I still think Horford's yeah. live. Well, Maybe and, that's and let, me, on my part. let me add to your argument because so my Marcus smart argument going in and I, you know, it's, it's not dead, but it's not feeling great. I don't, I don't love my Marcus smart position right now. But the argument was, Steph is the guy, if Marcus Smart shuts down the guy and then has some pretty good numbers of his own, which he usually does. He'd been averaging 18 points a game the last like five or seven coming in against the Warriors. Then maybe he could be the Kawhi. You know, he could be the, the all right, I shut down the guy and I was pretty good on offense and I had some big shots and moments. So here's, I think, that argument for Al Horford. You've talked about for the Warriors, Steph is not the engine. Draymond is the engine. Draymond is what drives them forward. To me, a big takeaway I've seen so far, big picture in the series is this. If I just watch the Horford, Draymond Green head-to-head matchup and tell you who showed up in that game and who didn't, then I can tell you exactly who won the game and who didn't. Like Draymond was terrible in game one. Horford was huge. The Celtics won. Draymond played much better in game two. Horford didn't show. The Warriors won. And that's very reductive, but I think that that's a, those guys are bellwethers of what their teams are doing. Not because, like, look, they're not scoring a lot of points. Horford did hit a bunch of shots in game one, but I think if you look at Draymond as what makes the Warriors tick and go and play at their best version of themselves, if Horford kind of takes away a little bit of that and then adds to I think when the Celtics are at their best, Horford is involved. It's not just Tatum being awesome. It's the whole thing. And Horford has been a big part of that in their best games. Like you talk about hitting your ceiling. When the Celtics hit their ceiling, when they play really well, Al Horford is always, always a big part of it in this playoff so far. I think that's the case for you is if if you can kind of turn off the Draymond spout a little bit, and then hit your best case in some of those games. I think that's the hope for Al Horford in, in an MVP scenario. I would not love the amount of victory lapping and have to put up with on the podcast, but I would love it for my guy, Al Horford, just the career achievement award. And 
you know, it, it's been a fun, fun playoff ride for him for sure. How did I not put Andrew Wiggins first first score in the <laughs> app? I'm so mad it's at okay, myself. It's okay, but the BSC, it's, uh, every now and then something just st- slips the mind that doesn't quite get into the app. And scientifically, it's been proven that that makes it 12 times more likely to actually hit when we haven't actually told anyone about it. That's that's it's scientifically proven how that. I mean, I, I mentioned it on a couple of spots. <laughs> I think on on the Action Network podcast I did with Titus. Um, yeah, I, think I mentioned that was like on Wiggins overs and Wiggins for score and like all of these types of things. And he was like, wow, yeah. uh, look, Wiggins has taken the first or second shot of every Warriors game in the playoffs, except for, I think, two. Like wow. he just that the early action is going to lead towards him. And I think there's also a, a concerted effort towards I think that team understands his mindset. And there are certain guys that you kind of not maintenance, but you want to kind of take care of to get them in the right position because they can go so up or so down. I think with Wiggins, it's like, look, if we can get him going early, we're going to be in a good, in in good shape. And so like hit that three last night, I will probably honestly bet him again. I don't think that there's a a bad (laughs) spot there for, for him uh, of the options. He's the most consistent ones for me. I want to add, we talked a lot about why we like Boston big picture. And I think that's more of a series thing a game three specific angle of why I like Boston a lot here in particular. We've done this on the podcast before, but I just want to remind folks listening after a loss, Boston has been nearly invincible over this last four months while they've been so good since January 29th, Boston is 11 and one after a loss winning by 14.8 points a game in the playoffs. They're six and zero after a loss by 15 and a half points a game. So even against the Bucks and heat that hasn't faltered. Like, they're winning and they're winning big after a loss. They're 11 and one against the spread after a loss, six and no against the spread in the playoffs, covering by 14 points a game. And it dawned on me that the opposite trend has been true for the Warriors, too. Both of these teams love to go get the prove it win and then come out having proven it and kind of lay an egg to start the next game. The Warriors do that, too. Here's the Warriors numbers. After a win in these playoffs, the Warriors are only six and seven against the spread. Last two rounds, only three and six ATS after a playoff win, only five and four straight up. And after a playoff win on the road in the playoffs this year, the Warriors are only two and five against the spread. So a lot of the trends say Golden State got the win. They're feeling better. We know when the Warriors feel better, they kind of get some of those turnovers. They get some of the cocky Warriors aggression stuff. We know when the Celtics lose, they come out more focused. They lock in better on defense. These are real trends that have been strong plays for, for months now. So for me, that the coming home, the free throw swing, the turnover swing I expect, and really the home road swing on game three is, is why I like the game three angle the best here. Do, do you have a series play that you're making? Yeah, so I bet I went back in on Celtics minus one and a half uh, last night. I got that at DraftKings at plus 160. Um, I also, I basically, what I did last night was I bet Celtics minus one and a half at a plus number and Celtics and seven at a plus number. So to tell you like my angle on it, like I am getting progressively more Celtics. I have not walked away from these first two games, switching my mind on the series. It's not just that the Celtics won game one, which is a huge steal. It's that there are just a number of ways in which I look at it. And again, the Celtics fans will tell you this, like they had so many turnovers in game two. Yeah. If they just don't play like ass, they are really good and they are better than almost everybody. Like if yeah. they just don't play terrible and make dumb mistakes, they're going to do that some. Like that was the difference, I think, between you and me, because after game one, 
like you and Ra in our text were both kind of like, I don't know, man, this might be over in like a real short series. And I'm like, the Celtics are going to fuck around a little bit. Like, that's just what they're going to do. And the Warriors are going to fuck around a little bit. <laughs> that's what they're going to do. We're going to, we're going to have, I think, a long series. I think too, I like when I think about the series and where things are headed, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if I love the Boston minus one and a half just because I think Boston winning in seven is so much in play that I don't want to lose out on that by taking the minus one and a half. So I was just looking at basically Boston is close to even on the series, just Celtics to win. Like, you know me, I don't play that one very much. I usually try to find some other way to give back some value and get the number. The Warriors are good. The Warriors are going to make shots. They're going to win another game somewhere in there, maybe two. So just taking the Celtics. But I, I like to think about the series this way. Right now, in this moment, we just watched game two and we saw the Warriors barrage and we're feeling good about the Warriors. But think about how we think about this series. If game one and two were just in reverse order, what if game two happened first and it was close for a while? The huge avalanche came. The Warriors ran away with it. That's what we all thought was going to happen in game one. And then it comes out and game one happens in game two. It's close for a while. The Warriors hit their third quarter punch again like we expect, but the Celtics claw back and get the win. Everyone would think totally differently about the series right now if they just flip the order. And the reality is it doesn't matter. The order doesn't matter. We have one avalanche win where Boston played like garbage. Golden State hit the shots and pulled away. We have another one where Boston hung around. That floor we talked about kept them close enough to give them a puncher's chance. And then they came through on it. And now they're going home. Like, I know it's cliche, Boston got the job done. They went to Golden State where the Warriors had not lost in the playoffs and they won one of the games. It doesn't feel good after game two, but on the big picture, I think you still have to feel good about where Boston's at. What's the probability percentage for you um, of, we have three outcomes here, after game four, right? Uh, We can have 3-1 Boston, 2-2. 3-1 Warriors, right? Yeah, so I think that's what I think what you're hinting at is I believe that 2-2 is very much in play here. I think I think Golden State 3-1, I would put at an extremely low percentage. Yes. I don't I don't see a great chance of that happening. Boston up 3-1, Boston and Golden State tied 2-2. Two two. I think I would put relatively even with each other. I think I'd say something maybe like 40% Boston goes up 3-1, 50-50 that it goes tied 2-2, two to two, and then 10% or less that the Warriors go up 3-1, probably lower than that. So, I, And I think part of that is that's why I don't want to go too heavy on Boston in six, you know, the minus one and a half, yeah. because if it's 2-2, two, two, my only out left is Boston has to go take the pivotal game five, come home and close it. And I don't feel like they can't do that but I don't feel like either of those is a slam dunk. Like even the, even the closeout game six, we just saw Boston throw away against yeah. Miami last round. So I don't even yeah. love that necessarily. So I think the the question you're asking and where could this be a week from now, which yes, is after game four, it does give me pause that, you know, after game four, if it's two, two, we're down to a best of three warriors with two games at home and the game seven, and they're so good at home and they have all the home history. I don't Boston wouldn't be out of it. I don't know if I would still I, I would like Boston less than than I do right now. Certainly. Would you like Boston less than you do right now? If it's two, two, if it's two, two rather than one, one. 
Yeah, um, I will like them the same. My confidence is very high right now on on Boston. Um, but but it doesn't it logically, if it's one one with two extra home games versus two two without those two Boston home games, don't you have to like Boston a little bit less? No, um, not to win the series. The, my now the six gets that gets nerve wracking. Sure. Right. Which is why, like, I, I've been very transparent about I will hedge the sh- out of it. Right. <laughs> um, like, I'm not I'm not like it's ending in six. I just got a feeling I'm not. That's not the better I am. Right. Yeah. No. I've already started hedging it with Seth, Celtics and seven. I, I will just tell you, like, I kind of ex- uh, part of me, I would I would put it at 15 percent Warriors three one. I have enough respect for Golden State and the twist of fate for that to happen. Um I would say that I there's a 45% chance that it's 2-2 and a 40% chance that it's Boston 3-1. Or, th- uh, yeah, Boston 3-1. So, like, for me, it gets into, a, like, a 5 percentage point differential. That's enough for me to have extreme, like, we're talking about an 85, I still have an 85% confidence level that Boston will be 2-2. I like them after a loss. So, it's like, if we think Boston's going to win game three, and we do, we thought they were going to lose game one. Fair. We like Boston game three. Even if I think they lose game four, I love it, Brandon, because then we get Celtics off of a loss in pivotal game five. That's true. <laughs> they retake home court and then it's game six back in Boston. And then I'm, at least I've reached hedge territory, right? At least yeah. then I can get, and especially like if I, if we get to three, I will say this, if it gets to three, two Boston after game five, you can best believe I'm going to be betting Warriors. You can just bet I'm going to be hitting those Warriors plus 400s all the time. Um, so anyway, that's where the value is. I, I At this point in time, I do not think there's value on Golden State. Paying the minus 115 for Boston, I don't think is a bad bet. It's not what I want to do, but it's but I, I don't I think that there's probably it, there's there is EV on it. And that's where I come down. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with a guest. We'll have one more look at the game and sure rate, review, subscribe, download the award-winning Action Network app wherever you get apps. Make sure to hit us up and follow us. Subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for joining us. Let's get buckets.